right, let's pray. We can start. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We cannot say thank you enough for the relationship that is possible, for the uh, for the forgiveness of sins that is absolute, uh, that we know is there and know is real. Father, help us to learn today so that we can we can strive to be the very best we can be. Help us to learn so that we can so that we understand and know the things that we need to know so that we can apply them to our lives and be and be better. Father, we want to we want to make you proud of us. We want to make you proud that you that you've adopted us and made us your sons and daughters and made that possible for us. Help us, Father, as we as we learn these things and as we uh, as we move forward. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, we pray that you be with Daniel and his family. Father, you know what's going on there and you know the the problems he's having with his health. Uh, you know the problems that Anita's having as well. Uh, just pray that you be with the mom and dad and the grandmother and grandfather as they struggle with all of this, Father. Just uh, we know that you have a plan. We just don't know what that plan is. We have, our our preference, Father, is that you get him better and you bring him back to them. But whatever your plan is, help us all to deal with it and help us to be strong from it and because of it. And thank you for the opportunity. Bless us, Father, and help us to have a great morning and a great day. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in John chapter 17. Remember, I told you that John chapter 17 is the end. Okay, it is the, it is the end. Hey, yeah, guys, y'all can come sit right here because everybody sat over here and the room's going to tilt that way. So, so, see, they're starting to show up. They said that, that, that our, my, this side just didn't show up. So. John chapter 17 is the end of this discourse that Jesus has with his apostles. I told you most of the things that he said, most of the things that he talked about in 14, 15, and 16, he was talking to them. Some of it, there was times when he talked to us as well. This part of the prayer is to us. Okay? This part of the prayer is to the people that are going to believe because of what they're going to teach. That's what this part of the prayer. The first part of the prayer was where Jesus asked to be glorified. Lift me up, Father. I'm fixing to glorify you. Lift me up so that I can glorify you, is what he prays for. He said, I want to give them glory. I can't do that unless you lift me up so that I can do what's coming in the next. And he knows that right after this, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to the garden, and he's going to get arrested. And when the rest is history, he's going to be brutalized, butchered, and hung on a tree. He knows that. He understands that. He doesn't want to go do that. You can see the glimpses of it in this prayer. He doesn't want everybody to do but he's going to do what's necessary because this is what the Father has told him to do. Okay? And so that's what he prays for in the first part. The second part, he prays for his disciples, those guys that are standing right in front of him. This is what I need from you, Father. I need you to protect them. You've given them to me. They believed in you. They believed in me. They have, they have believed all these things. And I asked you last week, if they believe so strong, then what did they cut and run for? How come they're running for the hills? How come they're hiding? How come they're cursing that they don't know him? You know, it's okay. It gives me a great deal of hope that when I stumble and fall, it's okay. It's all right. God's got this. He, he's, he, his grace and mercy can override some of that. It's that I don't live there. I can't go back and live there. So, so that gives me a great deal of hope. So that wasn't really directed to me, but it was to me in a sense, and to us. But he says, Father, I'm going to need you to protect them. I've been protecting them while I'm here. I protected them, but now I'm going to be gone, and I'm going to need your help. Please protect them, okay? And then the last part of this, the last part of this chapter is to us. I'm going to read 20 through 26. Listen to what he said. My prayer is not for them alone. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may have be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with, with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Like it or not, what he's talking about in this text is unity. Does that, did, did that come across from what he's praying? This is about unity. I want them to be one. I want them to, to know that you're in me, I'm in you, and they are in me, and we are one. Okay? I'm going to take you to a couple of texts that we're going to look at, and we'll refer to these some. I want you First, I want you to go to Psalm 133. Starting, it's only three verses, we're going to read all three of them. Look at Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings for life, even life forevermore. Okay? So what did he say in this text? How pleasant, how pleasing it is for God, to God, when God's people live in unity. What did Jesus pray for? I want them to all be one. I want them to know that I'm in you, you're in me, and we are in each other, that we're all together. All right? Now, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 4. Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna read the first three verses. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay, what do you say? Make every effort. Every effort. He said it's. He said bearing with one another in love. Because I'm gonna ask you some questions after a while, right? In a minute, and and I'm gonna see what you have to say. And he said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now look at verse 13. Well, we're going to start in verse 11. Look at chapter 13, I mean chapter 4 and verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. Alright? Now, turn back to John. I want you to look look back at what he said in this thing. We're going we're to cut some of this up. He said, My prayer is not for them alone. In verse seven, in chapter 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Okay, who is it for? He tells you. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Alright? Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? How do you know that? I mean, how, why? what is he... How do I believe in him through their message? 
what message? Right, this message we're talking about right now. When John writes this, when he, we looked at 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, we looked at all three of them. Before we did this this book, to, in, 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 chapter, in 1 John, he said, I write these things to you that you might know that you have eternal life. He tells that in John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He says that. So I know that I can I'm that he's talking to me if I believe on what they said through their message. He gave them a, a, a challenge, he gave them a charge, and he said, I want you to go into all the world and do what? Preach the good news. Teach them, baptize them, make disciples of them. And he said, And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, when you know Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says, he says, if any of you thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the that the things I teach are the commandments of the Lord. That the Lord commanded them. John said in John chapter twelve, he said the things I tell you are not they're not my words. I didn't tell you my own words. He said the words I spoke will judge you in the last day. That's what he said. He said, but those words didn't come from me. They came from the Father who gave them to me, and I gave them to you. So as he gives those those words to these guys. And they go out and they start spreading. And on Wednesday night, we're still, we're looking at the at the at the book of Acts, and we're in the second journey now in chapter 17 of, of Acts. And we're and and John and he they go to the synagogue. That's the first place they always go to the synagogue to do what? To teach God's people first, and then because they know that there's a lot of Gentile there, and they go teach the message of a risen Christ. So if I believe in that through their message, the message I have today, 2,000 years later, it is preserved for me. Okay. And you can say, well, we're not really sure that's God's word. We're not really sure that Bible is real. And, and people say that all the time. Okay, They say that. Sit down with me and I will take you through it and show you that I believe it is. Okay, I'll, ta I'll talk to you about it and we'll look at it. So if, if you have decided that this is God's word, that those guys really did write this stuff, they really did he really did preserve it for us and put it in a form where I could understand if he did that, then that means anytime I open this book and read the message that they have, it's a message from the Lord. You believe that? Okay. Then he's talking to you. He's talking to me. All right. So then he says in the next verse, he said, that all of them may be one, Father. So what's the what is the desire? What does Jesus tell us? I want them to happen for them. I want them to all be one. I want them to all be one. And he said, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, I want them to be like us. He told his disciples, his apostles, early on, he said, you don't want me to go. He said, but you, if you knew that where I'm going is by far better than being here. Okay? Because he had to leave the relationship with his father. He left that, that, that. And he only had it through the spirit that they had. So now... You know, he's saying, I want them to, to realize the relationship you and I have, that one-to-one -one relationship. I want to have that. Yeah, I want them to have that. He said, so I want them to understand and so that they can be one. Now, listen to what he said. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, how did, how did uh, if you look back at John chapter 13, he says, he said, love one another as I have loved you. This is how they'll know you are my disciples. How? By the love you have one for another. He said, oh, he said here, he said, uh, uh, he said, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. What does he tell? He said, the only way you're going to pull this off, the only way we're going to pull this off is to have the love that he talked about 
for him in us. The love that he had for us in ourselves. That's what the spirit, that's one of the that's one of the traits the spirit brings to us, is the spirit of love. To have that love. He said it binds them all up. Now I want you to look at Colossians chapter four. I mean chapter three. Colossians chapter three. We're going to start in verse 12. Chapter 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now, we know who he's talking to. He's talking to us. And he said, you are God's chosen people, holy people. We know that he chooses us out of the world. All right? And he, and he chooses to adopt us. He called us through the gospel. We know that's how it happens. And so he said, and now I'm, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you something. It's really important. Paul is writing to the church of Colossae. And he said, it's God's chosen to be holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. It means put up with me. Put up with me. And forgive one another. If, if any of you have, a, have the grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, we looked at we looked at First John, and First John really, if you look at First John, it's about love. Really, it's what it is. That Jesus loved us, and we're supposed to love each other. That if we love each other the way we're supposed to love each other, there will be no the problems that bring about disunity and disfellowship. There won't be any of that if we do that. All right. Now, I got a couple of questions I want to ask you. Now, remember, I'm going to have to repeat your question because I've been told online that we don't know what they're saying because we can't hear them. So if it sounds, if that, I'm just repeating, not because because you don't talk that good, it's because they can't hear you, okay? Now, if you were sitting right here, they can hear you. But I don't see anybody sitting up here, so, you know. I mean, it's like this place got the plague. And you guys online, y'all are the ones that caused that. So anyway, so let me ask you a question. What do you think... That this unity will look like. What do you think it'll look like? If we can pull this off, and we can have the kind of unity, the kind of you know, maybe I ought to do this first. Tell you what it's what it is. Okay, I went and looked it up. It's a state of being one. It is to be combined into one. The absence of diversity. Okay, I don't like that last one. That's from Webster's. I don't like that that last one because we are all diverse. We are diverse. We have we are completely. All of us are different, all right. But we learn how to live at peace together because we love each other. And if we don't, well, anyway. So, what is that unity going to look like? Tell me what it looks like. What what is that kind of unity that he's asking for here? That he's demand not that, he's demanding. I want you all to be one. What does it look like? Now, if you change that definition. Okay. Um, diversity, which we think of that, and that word was divisive. Divisive. That would fit a little better because it would. you wouldn't be struggling with all of that. I thought so too. The di word divisive would have been better, but that's not what it said. I know. <laughs> it said. It said. I, I'm telling. You, it said absent, and I and I went on my phone, got my dictionary. So it's got to be absolute. Don't you think? It was on my phone. 
That was sarcastic. <laughs> anyway, so now you know what it is. It's the it's the state of being one. What is that going to look like? Yes, ma'am. It should be what our families look like. Okay. Now I realize not everyone's family looks like that, but that should be what it is as a big family. Okay. Where we put up with each other. Okay. All right. We should be like a big family where mm -hmm. we put up with each other. Okay. Anybody else? What do you think that unity that he's praying for, he's calling for, he's demanding of us, what's it going to look like? What is that going to look like? Yes, sir. No war. No war. No more wars. Okay. At peace. United. Thinking the same on the same. I think probably we, we pretty much just resign ourselves to the fact we're not going to pull this off in the world. Would you say that's probably true? We're never going to pull that off in the world. Jesus couldn't pull it off. What we think we're going to be able to do. We're not going to be able to pull it off either. But I'm not so concerned about the world as I'm concerned about, really, I'm only concerned about what's going on in this room, this this family, in this place. That's what I'm concerned about. You know, what, is, what I'm concerned about is like with Barbara's talk, in our families. What is it going to look like in our families? Well, it, it would be not being at war with one another. Okay, not being at war with one another. Now, we, yep. can, we can control that yep. on okay. a local okay. basis. Anybody else? What do you think it's going to look like if we, if we start to have this kind of unity? What do you think it's going to look like? There may be problems in families. I mean, and yeah. you always hear that saying, blood is thicker than water. Mm -hmm. That's right. You don't turn on each other. I mean, you just most of the time. <laughs> you don't turn on each other is what she's saying. Most, and, and most of the time, we don't. Right. If you've got little kids, just wait. Just wait. They're going to get bigger. Okay? They will get older, and they'll get really full of themselves. But you still at some love point. them. Huh? You still, you still love, love them. them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You still love them. That love that you have as a family still is supposed to take place. In our culture today, it's not so much like that, but it's supposed to be. Yes? Yeah. It's just about putting other people first. It's about putting so other people putting first. Putting yourself aside. Okay. okay. Understanding that other people have value in what they say. Okay. And you may not agree with everything they say or agree with how they do things, okay. but you're willing to okay. accept it and work with it. So we're going to put, we're going to, we're going to overlook some things. We're going to put things first where people need to be and we're going to look at them. Hold on a minute, Kale. Yes, Vince. First, we have to submit. We have to submit. Under the authority of Jesus. Under the authority of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. If you can't do that, then nothing will work. Uh, all right, good. We're going to come back to that maybe. All right. Yes, sir. I think there's a familiarity. Okay. And, and you may not notice it in, in the immediate structure because it's already there, but you will notice it if you like go to another, another town okay. another church okay. and if there's that same familiarity that's, that's when you know okay. so there's a you're, Kale's saying there's a familiarity and if you go someplace else and see and you can gauge it by you start to see a sense of what's going on where you're at and where, what maybe is not going there's on there's an overall there's an overall yes okay yeah. and, it, and it's just a sense of comfort that you okay I, I know that you can go to visit another church feel completely alien Okay. Okay. And that's how you know that there's disunity there. Okay. Because you're not the same. Okay. But if you can go to another church in another in another town and if you still feel at home. You feel alien because you don't feel you don't feel connected because Right. Okay. And it, and sometimes it's hard to put in words sure. that actually is. It is hard to put in words. But um, you know it you see. It. You, you feel it. You feel it. So 
so you'll know when there when it's a, when it's a, a, a like mindedness. Right. When there's not a like mindedness, you sense that. Yeah. If you go somewhere else, yeah. okay. So there, that's what we're we're shooting for is a like mindedness. That would that would take away a lot of the problems. Would you say? If we would if we would strive to be like minded, right. it would take away a lot of the problems. Sometimes you have to you have to exert a tremendous amount of love with someone to 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 understand. You know, Cole and I do not see eye to eye on stuff. Okay, you know, we banter back and forth all the time. Sometimes we do it. Uh, you know, got a phone call from Pam the other day, and she was all, "I'm so sorry." And I said, "Man, I said you don't understand. This is how Cole and I operate. You know, we're we we get on each other because he understands there's some things he thinks that I don't like, and there's some things I think he that he knows he don't like. And we've learned how to coexist. We've learned how to cohabitate, and he's willing to learn, and so am I." I'm willing to listen to him. He's willing to listen to me, and and that's and where where it's not strife. Before in other situations, it wasn't like that. In this situation, it's like this. I see a side of him that you may not get to see because you don't aren't around him a lot. But I see a side of him that you guys don't know. I watched him cry like a baby in a, in a, in a, in that intensive care room the other day for for the whole time we were there. He bawled like a baby, and he said a prayer. While he was crying, didn't ask Dan Wright to do it. He did it, and and he uh, and he and he prayed through his tears, and it was the most powerful prayer I've ever heard. It was amazing. Uh -huh. I just had a thought. Um, unity is like harmony. Yeah. We sing. We can all have different parts, but as long as we're all singing together, the same key, that's how we know that we're in unity. I think that's a great analogy when, when we sing songs and we're all in the same key. Some of us live our lives in a different key. <laughs> it's just what it is. Yeah. You know? And we have to learn. I, you know, I have to learn how to how to love you. You know, Larry Winters is a great. I mean, he, he, he can sing. I can't. I ain't getting in front of nobody to sing. Right? I'm, I'm not, there's things I will do, but that's not one of them. Because I can't sing the key like he can. But you know what? We can coexist. Cause he can drown me out. He can override me, you know. And nobody's gonna know that I'm singing off key. Won't matter, okay? Cause he he can drown me. But that's kind of what I'm talking about. You know, we sit together as as, as a hand in a glove. We have to learn how to do that. That's only gonna happen when we learn how to love each other. If we can't do that, we're not gonna pull this off, guys. We won't pull it off. You have to learn how to love me in spite of where I might want to go or about what I might want to do. And love me in a way that you that I will sit down with you and we'll sit down and we'll communicate together. Because, the well, I got another question. What do you think keeps us from being united? Pride. Pride. Sense of self. Sense of self. Communication. Lack of communication. Absolutely. We don't communicate. We don't talk to anybody. You know, we get mad about something. You know, we don't, we don't talk. You know, we, we don't we don't come together and say we need to talk and do it in love. The Bible is completely equipped to tell you every way everything you need to do with situation in every situation. It is there. It's there. All you gotta do is go be willing to go find it. Go find what he says. What does he say I'm supposed to do when when you and I don't get along or when you and I have a have an issue? Is there a, a way that we can get together? And then, you know, when when one or both parties aren't there. Get a mediator to come in. You know, I mean, it talks about that. Okay. Now, what else is going to keep was is going to keep us from being united like this? What's going to keep us from being united? What do you think? 
Huh? Unbelief. Okay. All right. Unbelief. Difference of opinion. Okay. My my other question, the last question I had here was, what will destroy unity in a church? Pride. All the same things we've been talking about. You can walk into a to a worship assembly and walk in with an attitude. Walk in with a with a divisive spirit. Walk in with a with a chip on your shoulder. And you've automatically walked in looking for a fight. That that will destroy unity over a long haul. Lack of communicating in a, in a body of believers will cause that unity to be destroyed. Okay? And we need to be committed to the family. It needs to be the most important thing we do. You have need to be the most important thing in my life. I need to be the most important thing in your life. We need to be the most important thing in each other's lives. And and your well-being should be the most important thing to me. And you, my well-being should be the most important thing. So that way, if you ha if I have a problem, and or you kind of Dan, I'm concerned. Let's talk. Most people don't have anybody like that, that they can talk to that they're well because. Because another person will come at them and, and point fingers and stuff. That's not gonna. That's not gonna build up unity. That's not what works. It's not gonna work in the church, and it won't work in the family. It doesn't. That's why the families are fracturing around us. Because there's no unity in the families. There's no. There's no that kind of love, that agape love, that love where God, where Jesus says, "Remember, I told you that." If, if you look at the last part, it says, uh, "Verse 25, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, that word is gnosko." And it means a, a, it means an intimacy, an intimate love. It's a, it's kind of love that a husband has for his wife. Okay, I can't have that love with your wife. So it's not appropriate. But I can have that love with my father, and with you in a spiritual sense. That's what he's talking about. And if I do, if I do, your your opinion and your your well-being is going to be more important than anything else I do, and my well-being is going to be more important than anything else you do. You're going to be completely committed to making sure that everyone around you is healthy spiritually. You won't be able to help them all, but you'll be able to make sure that you're not the problem. That you don't bring the problem into the mix. You walk in with a chip on your shoulder, you walk in with a divisive attitude, or you decide that I don't like somebody and I'm going to start talking about them. I'm going to gossip about them. It'll destroy unity in a church. It'll destroy. It'll make factions in a church. It'll make factions in a family. Just have a husband and wife get on get on opposite page when it comes to disciplining children. See what happens. Just see. You know, I tell people when, I, when before I'm going to marry them, there's four things that you need to deal with if you're going to be if you're going to have any chance of hope of, of being successful. You have to be on the same page religiously. All right. If you're two different persuasions, you've got to get on the same page at some point. You have to get on the same page when it comes to money. If you can't agree on how you're going to do your money and finances, you're going to have problems. Okay? You have got to get a handle on in-laws. What are we going to do with your family and my family when they try to get in the way and try to make us do what we know that we don't want to do? And the last one is, you better get on the same page when it comes to raising children. Because if you don't, every one of these can break the unity of the family. Every one of them. And I've seen it happen. You know, anyone you take away takes away the chance of your survival by 25%. You take two of them away, 50% chance you're not going to make it. You take three of them, there are problems. You're better, better than 75% chance you're not going to make it. 
and I don't do it because, because I just do it from what I've seen and what I've been ex what I've experienced as I've watched people grow up and I've watched people get married and I've seen the families fracture and the unity of the family crater. And one of the biggest things is is that you know they don't get on the same page when it comes to raising their children. That's the biggest thing. But anything can fracture us in the church or whatever. What is what do we got to get back to? What did Jesus ask for? I want them to be one. That was what his goal was to for them to be one in a family, for them to be one in the church, for them to be one together. No matter where I worship, and whether I worship here or there, over there, I gotta I gotta think we have to we have to plan to, to love each other. And that doesn't always happen. And that's sad because that goes against what this talked about. Doesn't it? Goes against what this talked about. When the hate and the venom and the vitriol gets in a family or gets in a church, man, that church is doomed. It will be. They may still may survive, and I've watched it. You know, I preach at Portran, and I love those people, and I've seen that kind of stuff happen before, and I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it disintegrate a church. Just what happens, okay? Now, I want you to look once at, at the last. We got five minutes. I want to look at the last, the last two verses, because I want us to look to see something. It says, "Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me." I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that we love you. The love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now, we looked at a couple of verses and I told you about a couple. John chapter 13 and verse 34 says, it says to love one another as I have loved you. This is how they'll know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. We've talked about it. We're not going to bring this kind of unity to the world because it's fractured and it's broken and it's at war with itself. It cannot decide who it's going to follow whether it's going to follow some president or some dictator or whatever, can't decide. So it's decided not to follow God. In the in the biggest biggest places, most places, it's decided not to follow God. So, you know, and, and so Jesus is right. The world doesn't know him. Now, we're not going to be able to teach them all about him. We I know what God wants. God wants everyone to come to repentance. He tells us that. We're not going to be able to pull that off. Okay? But can we teach some? Absolutely. And we're going to do everything we can to try to win as many as we possibly can. Okay? But we know we're not going to change the world because it never did change. Because God, Jesus told us, told us from the beginning that one that Satan's going to rule and Satan's going to come. And it, and many it says it says many there'll be that find the gate to destruction. Few will find the one to life. He wouldn't have said that if he thought there was a chance we could we could turn this thing around. But we can turn it around in someone like Diana's life, who is Daniel's mother. Or Richard's life, who is Daniel's father. Or Anita's life, who is Daniel's sister. We can. We're going to have another baptism this morning. Okay? Angie's daughter is going to be baptized this morning. She was Adam. She, I'm fine. Until she started thinking about it, started praying about it. Decided, no, maybe not. Maybe I'm not. So, last I heard, she's going to be baptized this morning. And even if not, you know, it may be sooner than later. You know, you had two last week, right? You had two last week. Unbelievable. See, we can change the world. We're going to change them one at a time. One at a time. We probably won't live long enough to change them all. Probably won't. But you know what? We can per we can perpetuate that motion by teaching our children. That's what calls That's what you're going to get the experience up here this afternoon, is watching those kids do memory work that's going to make you feel about this big. Right? Because you can't do it. They'll know memory work. And they're little. Hannah. Hannah. 
She'll be stopping the memory work off. She's three, three, four, three, four. She's four. I lose track. Get old, man. She's four years old. And she's gonna. I'm gonna look at her and say, man, you know, I'm gonna be proud of her that she can do it. But you know what? I'm gonna say, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I wish I could. I would commit myself to just learning it. I could do it. And that's what you're gonna see. And that's how you perpetuate this. He perpetuated, and I've, I've found out that uh, that my grandson has been saying these things to his mother. <laughs> yeah, she won't listen to me. She won't listen to me for any, no amount. But, but her youngest son is telling her things that he's learning in these memory verses. He's saying them at school. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and I know my grandson only once. Well, I think Tyson's done it too, I think. Said, one, one day, Delissa was, was having a bad morning. And they started re, re, repeating to her, being quick to listen, slow to speak. That'll convict you in a heart. <laughs> you see? Out of the mouths of babes. It is how you perpetuate that mindset of being loving God and loving each other and looking past the thing. Children are great at looking past the stuff that's going on in their life, aren't they? They don't hold grudges like we do. That's why Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you can have no part of me. you got to have that humble, that uh, that forgiving spirit that they have. You know, they move on to the next thing. They don't, they don't let that past thing bother them. They just move on, go to something else. You know, they're playing with one toy, go play with another toy. We need to learn that. You know what we do? We walk around in the dark with no light most of the time. I'll give you an example. All right? The other day I had to do something out at the, the shop. The shop's about... 50 yards away from my house, and it's dark, dark, dark out there. And and the only thing that's open is the shop door, and I'm going to shut the shop door, and I've been working on this car, and I had to start it off of it, the starter's laying there, and I don't take a flashlight. What do you think happened? You stubbed your toe. I kicked that starter <laughs> with my big toe on that foot right yeah, here. You, did. <laughs> you know what? I ain't going anywhere in the dark anymore without a light. Because I can't see in the dark. And Jesus tells the same thing. Don't be in the dark. Take the light with you. The light of the Word, the light of my, my Savior. Take that with me, and you know what will happen? I'll be able to see these pitfalls. I'll be able to see them, and if you bring that into here, when you come here, when, you, when you're when you in your family, you bring that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see the issues before they prop up, and you're going to be able to deal with them before they get out of hand. They get out of hand when we don't care to look. Jesus wanted us to be united. He wants to know the Father. He wants to know Him. And we can know him. We just have to apply what he told us in our life. Okay? Guys, we're going to start chapter 18 next week. Glad to have you. If you've been watching, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, please contact us on the number on the screen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.